0: What's up, Beach students? How we doing? Yeah. Can we just take a moment and say, uh, wow, for a worship experience like that. um, I know you guys know this. I know we talk about gratitude and gratefulness and how lucky you are to come into an environment like this. Um, But wow, to have worship leaders that grab you and bring you with them that make you engage in worship in a way that is just um, supernatural and open the door to the Holy Spirit in a way. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I look tired, so Emma's like, let me bring him a stool. (sighs) It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, we are so lucky that we get to experience things like that. So thank you. Uh, Big shout out. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Worship, you did an amazing job getting us ready Guys, you did a great job reading the scripture from the message. Um, Again, if you follow along in the Bible, we talked about the fact earlier that the message is sort of a paraphrase, um, if you will, instead of a translation. And so some of the things that you hear, they sound a little odd, but it's more of a poetic interpretation of what the scripture is. It's not a line by line translation, or even an idea by idea, or word by word, instead is a paraphrase of the beauty of God's scripture. Um, And we're gonna finish this series tonight. And then next week is the Super Bowl. So we won't have United so that you can watch the Super Bowl with your friends and be in community and talk about Jesus during halftime instead of watching whatever act they have on, turn it off and talk about Jesus. I'm just kidding. Watch the halftime show, I guess, I don't know. Um, I know who it is. Is it Usher this year? Okay, well, that's fine. Blast from the past, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so, Usher's gonna be there. Check it out. But tonight, tonight, we're gonna talk about Jesus' final words. In this sermon, and Rachel, I think, did such a nice job of sort of introing and talking about what the Sermon on the Mount is, and really, Jesus is grabbing his followers, his disciples, and he's saying, this is what it means to be a follower of me. Let me show you what it means to walk against the world, but instead, to walk in my kingdom. And so, tonight, he's going to leave them with a really difficult topic, and that is one of judgment, judgment and uh, judgment is not a fun word but I think that when we think about what Jesus is actually saying in this final chapter it gives us some really solid guidelines for how to walk in the way of Christ and the purpose of judgment and we're going to look at three different implications tonight. We're going to look at how we judge ourselves. We're going to look at how we judge others. And then we're going to look at God's judgment of us. And my hope and prayer is that you walk alongside us tonight as we look at the scripture and we really dive in and dig deep into what God is trying to show us and His truth, that you're going to be convicted by something. And that thing may be I have to give myself more grace. That thing may be I need to look at myself a little bit more carefully in my walk with the Lord. That thing may be I need to treat others better. Or that thing may be the very real realization that at the end of our time here on this earth, God will look at us. And we will be judged for how we lived. And it's not easy. And as I prayed through and thought about this message this week, I thought about something that really stuck out to me. When people think of Christians today, when people think of Christians, that's what they think about. They think about judgment, and they think about hypocrisy. And I'm going to challenge you to not be the type of Jesus follower that people look at and say, I don't want anything to do with whatever God that is because they're doing exactly what they tell us not to do or because they judge people and they don't treat them fairly and they don't treat them kindly. They think they're better than. Jesus isn't calling his disciples when he talks about judgment and judging others. He's not calling them judgmental people for judgment's sake. And so we're going to explore some of those things tonight, but let's pray before we're getting started. God, thank you for the students that are here tonight who are gathered, their life group leaders. We just pray that you fill this room. We pray that your truth illuminates something that we've never experienced before. You speak through me, that what they hear are your words and not mine. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. Open eyes, open hearts. We love you. Thank you for Jesus and his teachings. Help us to follow them more closely every day. Amen. Amen. So, again, we get a bad rap sometimes for judgment and hypocrisy. And the truth is, we deserve it. Let's be clear. We deserve it. In the Capital C Church, we've not always done a great job of showing grace to others. Here's the very real thing. Sometimes we hold people accountable that aren't even following the ways in which we practice. Have you ever noticed that about some judgmental or hypocritical Christians? They're trying to hold people accountable for things they don't even believe. They can't follow the way of Jesus if they're not Jesus followers. Everybody got that? So we can't hold people accountable. We're not called to hold people accountable if they're not actually professing to walk in the way of Jesus. Instead, we live a life that points them to him. We live a life that shows hope, that we live a life that shows love, and we live a life that shows grace because we've experienced all of those things. And the way that Jesus says it is like this. In verse seven, I'm sorry, chapter seven, verse one, Matthew's gospel. If you have a Bible with you, that would be great time to take it out. If you don't have a Bible, look under your seat or around you, you'll find a Bible. But we're in Matthew chapter seven. Verse 1. Everybody have it? Raise your hand. Love that. Okay, here we go. Chapter 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the really convicting part. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's. You see, there's a purpose behind the way in which we judge ourselves. It's not just so you can make yourself feel bad about how you're walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord. It's so that you can help other followers of Jesus. But in order to do that, and what Jesus is saying is, often we wanna pick at little things in other people. A speck of sawdust. Do you know how small a speck of sawdust is? It's tiny. And yes, you get a speck of sawdust in your eye, it ruins your day. Let's be clear, you're gonna have to cry it out and it's terrible. And you may think, what in the world is in my eye? I have no idea. And you'll do this and this and this and this forever and ever, it seems like. But what Jesus is telling his followers is that if you're gonna reach over and brush the speck of sawdust out of someone else's eye, be sure that you don't have a plank sticking out of your own meaning we often have huge problems in our lives, yet we don't wanna think about those. We don't wanna have introspection or self-reflection or really focus on what our problems are in following Jesus or our difficulties that we're facing in our lives. Instead, we wanna point to others. Why? It's easier. Because see, if I can point to you and I can say, hey, there's something wrong in your life. What do I have to do to fix in my life? Nothing. I say, you need to fix that, work on that. And then I go back with my plank sticking out sideways like this, and everybody sees it. And it's so obvious to other people. It's so obvious to other people. In fact, the hypocrisy itself can become the plank. And what it does is people see this and they say, I don't want any part of that. I don't know who Jesus is, but if that's what Jesus is, I don't want any part of that. The judgment of ourselves isn't so we feel bad about ourselves. The judgment of ourselves isn't so that we say we constantly have something wrong with us. The judgment of ourselves is so that we can fix whatever is wrong with us and then help others. We judge ourselves so that we can see God clearly. If I have a plank, I can't see God. In this metaphor, if there's a log sticking out of my eye, I can't see God clearly. So the point of judging ourselves is so that we can see God clearly and clearly see his plan for our lives. That's when we judge ourselves and then think about the judgment of others. Verse 6 says this, Do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. Once we judge ourselves and once we can see God clearly and we can see his plan and his direction for our lives and we want to follow him and we want to point people to him, we're entrusted with this, which is the word of God. We're entrusted with something sacred. We're entrusted with jewels and pearls and truth and wisdom here in his word. And this is a really difficult verse, and I almost skipped it because I'm a coward. And my wife goes, you can't skip that one. And I said, well, you're not going to be there, so it doesn't matter. Um, But she's right. Here's the reality. Not everyone's ready to hear you give them a gospel presentation. You haven't earned that with a lot of people. They don't know who you are. They don't trust you. And if you walk up to them and you say, let me tell you about Jesus, and you start talking. If you do that to a random person that you don't know, are they going to be receptive to that idea? Maybe, but more than likely not. A quick story. Our kids' first concert, we took them to see Lauren Daigle, which those of you that know Lauren Daigle, she's um, obviously, she's a terrible human, right? Um, she's a follower of Jesus. She loves Jesus. She loves God and everything that she's seeing, she loves Jesus, and Jesus has changed her life, and he's transformed her life. She's amazing. And we took our kids to see him and people were outside picketing at a Lauren Daigle concert saying, you're gonna go to hell if you walk in those doors. How many people's lives were transformed by those picketers that night? How many people in that moment, they're trying to give them something that's sacred. How many people in that moment completely ignored or disregarded what those people outside had to say? nearly all of them. Why? Because the way they're doing it. When we live a life following Jesus, we're showing people what it means to follow Jesus. We're showing them what it means to walk the way of Jesus. And then people look at us and they say, man, when something hard happened, you approached that way differently than other people. When I treated you poorly, you approached that way differently than other people. You loved me in a way that you, you, you called out me out on my stuff, but then you still love me anyway despite my mess. Not everyone's ready to hear the gospel presentation and, try and step into the path that you're trying to lead them. And this verse, verse six, is all about discerning the moment and thinking through what it means to show people the gospel of Jesus and how we should show people the gospel of Jesus so we have the clear path and clear vision because we've removed the plank from our eyes, we've judged ourselves so that we can figure that part out. Now we can start to discern how we should share the word with others, how we should present Jesus to other people and realize that we don't have anything to do with the transformation, that's the Holy Spirit. All we do is we show them who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit works on their hearts and on their lives. Jesus didn't talk to Nicodemus the same way he talked to the woman of the well. He knew what each of them needed and he talked to them in a different way. And as we encounter different people, we have to be adaptive to our different situations and our different scenarios and tell people about Jesus in different ways and realize that if we just throw this out everywhere we go, it's going to get trampled underfoot. And then how likely are you to do it again? You're going to be discouraged and you're not going to get anywhere as you present the gospel to people. Let's to verse 13. It says this, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. When I was reading this verse, I was thinking very clearly. I had this picture in my mind. There's this really wide road that the world walks and everyone goes down this really wide road And it's real easy to just jump on that highway. But what he's saying is there's a narrow path. And few are going to enter that narrow path because this takes a whole lot more effort. You have to slow down. And you can't just go with the flow. You have to go against the world. You have to go this way. We judge ourselves so that when we judge others, it's not a point of condemnation. We're saying, hey, I see you're on that wide path. Come with me here. Let's walk this together. When I was reading this, the thing that came to my mind, how many of you have ever heard of the guy named Robert Frost? Anybody? He's a poet. You all have taken high school English. How many of you ever read the poem, The Road Not Taken? Anybody? Okay, great. You want to recite it for me? Can you go? No, why not? You don't remember it? You don't have to memorize it. But The Road Not Taken does this. It says, To roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood and looked at one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then I took the other just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, meaning the road that everyone else was going on. I kept that for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere in ages and ages hence to roads diverge in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. I think this poem was actually written about a friend uh, that he walked with or he was friends with that Robert Frost had that he, he had a really tough time making decisions. And so this book is all about like him saying like you got to make decisions sometimes you got to have you got to make a difficult decision and what he's saying though is that there's this really wide path that everyone clearly has been going down and i can see it for a distance but then there's this really narrow one that's really grassy meaning it's not trampled down meaning hardly anybody goes this path and he says i took that one And that's made all the difference. And when I was reading this passage, I couldn't help but think about that poem because the reality is is that everyone goes on the wide path and everyone's just doing this. But what about the grassy one, the one that has life on it, the one that brings life? Few have traveled, few have walked. And what does he say at the end? And that, that has made all the difference. When you're making this decision in your life to follow Jesus and you actually walk the narrow path and you actually follow Jesus... You're taking the grassy path. You're taking the path of life, and it's going to make all the difference. And when we judge others, again, it's not so we can condemn them. We can say, oh, you're being a terrible Jesus follower. You're really screwing this up. You're really screwing this up. The point of judging others is so that you can bring them on the narrow path with you and say, hey, come here. I know you're a follower of Jesus. God loves you. I screw up too. By the way, I feel like sometimes when we give you guys messages, especially me, I'm really bad about this and I'm sorry about that. I think that sometimes it comes off as if you have to live a perfect life. I screw up all the time. Let's be clear. I'm not always walking on this narrow path either. But that's the goal. Every single day to wake up and walk the narrow path, not the wide one like everyone else. But sometimes it takes other people looking at me and saying, hey, you're off the, you're off the path. Come back with me. Um, I was thinking about one time I had a friend and I saw something on his phone that I shouldn't. it popped up. And, um, and we, we, very different people in high school, very different friendship. And I just said to him, I go, hey man, um, I saw something. I shouldn't have seen it we should talk about it. You know how uncomfortable that conversation was? Very, very uncomfortable. And in that moment, I wasn't judging him so that I could say, hey man, what are you doing? I can't believe you, how dare you? You profess to be a follower of Jesus. Hey man, I think we gotta fix this. Let me sit with you in it as we get back on the narrow path together. And we walk together down this path because we both have said we wanted something better for our lives, that we don't wanna follow the way of the world, that we don't wanna follow the way everyone else is going, but instead we wanna follow this narrow path, so come back with me. The crazy thing is the very next week, I could have been over here and he could have said the same thing to me. And if I know that he's following Jesus, I know that he's trying, and I know that he's seeking God every day, then I can listen. But if I know he's not, what good is that gonna do? True and false prophets, chapter, or verse 15, it says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Otherwise, or likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit. You will not recognize them. You cannot plant bad seeds of the foundation of your faith and expect to grow a tree of good fruit. Again, when we think about Christianity, the bad fruit that can be produced from that is judgmentalness, self-righteousness, hypocrisy. If we're planting seeds of hypocrisy, what's gonna grow a hypocrisy tree? If we're planting seeds of self-righteousness, what's going to grow a self-righteousness tree? But if we're planting the seed of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we're letting him work in and through us, the tree that's going to be produced is one of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. The things that are good, the things that God is calling you to have in your life, the things that the Holy Spirit will give you if you seek him. You see, if you're not on the narrow path yourself, if you're not on this narrow path yourself, what good is your judgment? Because if you're over here and you're trying to judge someone that's on that wide path, you're just two hypocrites talking to one another. You gotta be here. You gotta remove the speck from your own eye before you point out the sawdust in someone else's. If you're gonna really judge people well, And the judgment isn't so that you can say, can you believe so-and-so does that? That, my friends, is called gossip. It's so that if you notice somebody over here that you know has it in them to come back with you, bring them with you. Bring them with you. But again, what good is your judgment if you yourself are not on the narrow path? We judge others so we can see how to lead them back to the narrow path, not so we condemn them. We must be walking on the narrow path as well. And in thinking about the fruit that is produced in our lives, never get caught in that moment where you say, it's never about look at me and how great I am. It's a look at me. How great is God? How great is God? How great is God? And finally, we have to think about God's judgment on us. Because when we're here and we're trying to help people walk in the kingdom of God, that's all well and good. But when our time on earth comes to a close and we meet Jesus, we will be judged for our lives. And that is heavy if you think about it sometimes. But when we seek God, this judgment shouldn't be something we fear. Instead, it should be something we really look forward to, to meet Jesus. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father and who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles and you could add things like an in your name go to serve day and in your name go to rising tide and in your name set up chairs and in your name put out connect cards and in your name hand out bibles and in your name hand out stickers did i not come and serve you every single sunday night lord could we not add that to the end of that verse Lord, Lord, look at me. What did I do? I tried, I did everything for you. You can say all of that when you get there. And you can walk on that wide path your whole life and never seek him, never actually accept him into your heart and never actually let the Holy Spirit transform your life. Did we not do good things in your name, God? And verse 23 hits you like a ton of bricks. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Our words and actions are empty unless we're following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in Him, Our words and actions are empty unless we're following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in them. And we can do all we want in the name of Jesus, but if our heart isn't in the right place and we're not actually doing things for him, but instead we're doing things for above, right? Like where we talked about how great am I instead of how great is God. If that's what we're doing and while we're living out, that's religion, that's not relationship with Jesus. It's not faith. So how do we do it? How do we live a life following the narrow path? In verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's kind of full circle from like kind of the first week. You can't just teach it, you have to practice it. The teaches and preaches and practices the ways of the Lord are the people that are following me. And he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. This is the rock prayer is the rock your relationship with God is the rock the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on the rock your ministry your ministry you have a ministry whether you realize it's not your ministry is that house But everyone who hears these words of mine, you do not put them into practice, meaning you know the way of the the kingdom. You know you're supposed to follow this narrow path so that you can then bring others with you on this narrow path. And those of you that hear it but don't practice it and don't follow it, and you just tell people about it, you hypocrites, you self-righteous people. Everyone who hears these words of mine and do not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built that house on sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and it beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. If your ministry, your life, your house is built on a foundation of sand, meaning it's not built on this and instead it's built on me or it's built on Rachel or Jacob or Kelly or um, your friends or your relationships or your boyfriends or your girlfriends or your, girlfriends, or your parents, grandparents or whoever no matter how good of people they are they're gonna let you down at some point in your life they just are because we're people and we're not perfect and we're gonna get on a different path than the narrow one and that happens from time to time but if our foundation of our faith if our ministry is built on this it's built on prayer it's like the house built on rock your life is your ministry, if you're building your ministry on a relationship with God and listening to the Holy Spirit, you're building your ministry on rock. If you're building your ministry on other people and other thoughts or your own thoughts, you're building it on Satan. In verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. The Pharisees are saying words they've memorized. You get that? They're religion, they're showing you religion. They know it all because they've memorized it. But Jesus in this moment, he's teaching on authority. He is who he says he is. And in this moment, in the part above, he says, when you get to me and you say, Lord, Lord, he's saying, I am God. I am who you say I am. I am the one that you will face preaching and teaching on authority. So as the band comes up and we close tonight, I want you to think about this. What is your foundation of faith built upon? What is your foundation of faith built upon? Is it built upon words, things you've heard, other people talking? Or is it built on true relationships that you're having with your heavenly father? Is it built upon prayer and the Bible? It's built upon people and ideas that aren't necessarily from God. And this is gonna get a little uncomfortable maybe for some of you and some of you it may not, I don't know. But as we close and as we sing these last couple of songs, here's what I want you to do. If you're walking on this wide path and you wanna pray about it yourself or you want somebody to pray for you, the altar's open. You wanna come back to this narrow path? You wanna come follow Jesus here? Come to the altar and pray. Here's the uncomfortable part. If you're walking on the narrow path and you feel like you can pray for someone in authority, that you are living a life where you're actively seeking Jesus and you're trying to pursue him and you want to help bring them on that path as well. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit, guide you and lead you and I want you to come up and I want you to pray for them. This isn't an act of, let me show other people how great I am or my self-righteousness or how good I am. Again, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot with the Lord right now and I feel like I can pray for someone. So I'm gonna come lay hands and I'm gonna pray with them. If there are zero people that walk up front, that's okay. But I cannot help but think that there are people that are walking on a wide path right now and they really wanna get back on the narrow one. And they're open to people praying for them for that. And there are people that are on the narrow path that are kind of looking for a way in which they can actively live out their faith. Here's your chance. If God prompts you, if the Holy Spirit prompts you to go and speak and to pray for someone and pour life into them, do that tonight and be obedient to what he's calling you to do let's pray God thank you for your word and Jesus thank you for this powerful message that you gave your disciples help us to have the courage to walk the narrow path and not the wide one. Help us to have the strength and self-discipline to introspectively remove the plank out of our own eye so that we can see the grain of sand in other people's, not so that we can judge them, not so that we can bring down death and destruction on their lives, but so that we can help them get back on the path and the track and the way that you have for them. Help our judgment be helpful and not condemning help our judgment be one and something that people actively seek accountability help us talk to people in love and kindness and mercy because those are the things that you have so freely given to us and for that we are thankful for that we are grateful thank you for jesus thank you for your holy spirit we love you praise you we worship you